Sankarshan Joshi trip Ladies and gentlemen welcome back to another Sankarshan Joshi trip This episode is a really really special one I've been waiting for this episode for quite some time On this episode we have the CEO and the founder of Konsuma we have Abhilash Madabushi so Here we go ladies and gentlemen. Hey man, thank you so much for doing this. We're making this happen finally. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Sankarshan. I think uh, yeah, like you said we've been waiting a long long time for this, uh, but I'm um, I mean it's worth the wait hopefully this episode would. Huh? <laughs> you know, you are the first guest who I've been planning for like months. Like so we <laughs> talked about doing this probably 6 months back. and uh, yep, six yep. months to eight months back i guess but like we are finally doing this so the exciting man i think i mean like you always say right every time we talk it's like a podcast episode we talk for you know hours on end so yeah um, makes sense that one of them at least we convert into a, <laughs> a viewing for others as well yes so for all the listeners who don't know what consuma is and who you are could you do the honors and like t- sure, tell them sure, about sure. it so i'm abilash uh, like you said i'm the founder of consuma so consuma is a ai company where uh, we build uh, a market intelligence platform powered by you know cutting edge uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning techniques and we are we're still an early stage startup we're funded by pbl which is an incubator based out of uh, ps university and uh, yeah so, so we are basically trying to use technology to makes sense of the vast amount of information that's available on the net so today's consumer insights right i mean every business needs insights to run people want to understand how consumers behave want to understand why do people purchase the things they purchase because let's say you go to a shop there are uh, you know thousands of different products or let's say a simple example you take coffee you have five different brands of coffee in front of you five different types styles this that so what makes you buy a over b right uh, that that sort of purchase decisions so today's world i mean until today people used to look at uh, methods like surveys focus groups uh, going through research uh, to identify these insights to find out why consumers behave the way they behave but the fact remains that today it's very very difficult to find someone to sit with you for half an hour to do a consumer survey it's very difficult to find people to sit for a focus group and these insights are still very micro scale very you know narrow but today the most organic insights are found on social media are found on amazon reviews are found on you know places online uh, rather than offline physically so let's say i am i buy a product from uh, a, a renowned store and i don't like it my rant will either be on social media or on their reviews page my rant will not be to his rep customer service rep who comes and asks me for feedback or a researcher from xyz organization who comes and asks me for a focus group so for us to better understand consumers in the 21st century we need to make sense of this data which is a gold mine today which nobody is doing so that is where consumer came in where luckily thanks to the advancements in technology so far right it's not that we have come in and uh, built something which is uh, out of the blue it's thanks to the work of you know people from and researchers from a long time where natural language processing text processing speech processing has come to the level where we can actually apply it to even better applications so the timing was absolutely right for us to say that hey let's take advantage of this technologies build and improve these technologies and innovate here to try and accustom them to this use case so that's how consumer came about that how do we solve this problem 
in fact you would know that we tried going through the manual route itself right we tried that let's see what research takes us and we failed in a very good way that we understood that manually manual methods are not the way forward we need to you know make a leap in the tech leap of faith and use this technology to uh, to to try and make sense of data online so that's what we do uh, and uh, yeah that's that's who i am <laughs> you know what I like I've been a part of this company like initially I was one of the designers right like I designed the interfaces right. just to give context to people to or like <laughs> where I come Full from Full disclosure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah like there are two things that I love about consumer okay ever like since inception this is what I love about uh, consumer and you being the CEO and like you taking all the decisions that you take first is the problem that is addresses so everybody wants to be a businessman and everybody wants to come up with some sort of idea and some sort of product right like now being a ceo having a startup is like a trend right now but they Correct. marry the idea so much that they don't really put in efforts to understanding the consumer like what are the behaviors will my product actually sell you know be very rational about this problem will it solve Correct. and consumer is solving that right like you are helping all the uh, like all the businessman or like anybody who wants to do anything they can check if a certain feature or check an idea an idea fits well with the consumer like how will it be uh, applicable or like how are the trends going so first is the problem that you guys are trying to address i i really love that and the second is the the decisions that you take as the ceo of the company you know the pivots that you have to make you you love the problem and not the solution so usually what happens is people like, like any young businessman they love what they are doing they put in so much effort so they don't want to change so they try to change the problem but not what they've designed so i have seen like initially uh, when consumer started how you wanted to tackle the problem was completely different from what it is now right like you had to go through so many pivots and uh, i think like yeah these are the two things that i love about uh, consumer <laughs> thanks yes i think one thing which you said at the first point itself that uh, people fall in love with the solution uh, i think that applies in both places that building something is not enough building something for someone to do something that's the entire definition of entrepreneurship so having built something uh, i feel again we haven't i wouldn't claim that we have built the right thing yet until we get some market uh, you know pull in the market but from from the base theory we know that it doesn't work unless your consumers want it right and uh, making something that they want is important now why we wanted to solve this problem is more because of the fact that people don't understand or they see there are two two major uh, areas where insights help you right one is to validate what you already think uh, like you said right i i already think that my consumers might want this i validated by telling you that yes your consumers are also talking about this whereas the second point is more from a creative point of view i tell you something you don't know that uh, let's say consumers want something like this and that inspires you to innovate to improve to problem solve so that your consumers are happy so i i'll give you an example right when we work with amazon we did some stuff for uh, coffee machines now when we did some review analysis of coffee machines we found that people were very very unhappy with glass coffee machines right they were unhappy with the glass as the material made and they were very happy with steel stainless steel and metal based uh, products and there was a very easy reason that it was breaking a lot so when we present this insight to any client uh, let's say makes coffee machines it enables them to make a better decision making on their end 
glass looks good it sounds good but it's also extremely expensive and as you know once you start a manufacturing process you need a minimum you know uh, lot size to manufacture so that is a huge investment they're making uh, and making that investment without wondering whether the consumer is on board could potentially deal to a loss right so if i tell you this problem i give you this point that uh, people are talking about this specific in a negative way people don't like glass they like metal it would help you and the second one when i talked about creativity creativity comes i'll give you an example for that as well when we did it for i think a snacks based company uh, what we found is that people are very concerned about uh, the facility where it's being manufactured so these are we were looking at traditional snacks and what we found is that consumers the critical point or the critical factor behind the purchase decision was one of the critical factors was that where is the facility that this is being manufactured what is the cleanliness can i have photos can i see the staff the reason being that these are like homemade snacks or traditional snacks where you want cleanliness as one of the major important goals so when we present this to someone a potential client could look at it in such a way that okay people are looking at facility as a critical factor i may need to you know maybe just put a simple website page up that this is my facility these are the uh, amenities this is the cleanliness uh, you can go to even more creative levels where people think of it in different creative ways to show that my facility is good so not only do we help you validate what you're thinking of we also want to foster that creativity in you by giving you a problem to solve that we know and we can guarantee that the customers will be happy if you solve it so it's it's basically like your tool that can help you as a product manager brand manager entrepreneur ceo whoever you are uh, improve your value to your customer you know tenfold that's the that's the vision on on what we're building yeah you know in a way you guys were revolutionizing how customer feedback or like customer data company will get and how they'll use it so like you said right earlier they would do like focus groups and they would do like research they would right. have a team who would do and i come from design background right and that's what we do like uh, for any project that we want to work on like first we do the market right. research we we go through all the data and then we do primary research where we we talk to the stakeholders we interview them we send out surveys first that is expensive because it requires a lot of people like like a lot of employees and a lot of time so when a company has some something like your platform right they would save a lot of resources and they would be getting better data because sometimes what the consumer tell might be completely different from what they do right so data never lies right so when you look at their data subconsciously there are certain choices that they are making and you guys are picking on that right like you guys are picking on that which would help the business exactly and and coming back to that point right again I, i'm not saying that i you don't need to do any research on your own in fact we can help you do better research because let's say you're sending out a survey and you know either even if cost is not a problem let's say you're a big big brand cost is never a problem for you the what questions to ask itself is it starts from there right i'll give you an insight where you can decide what question to ask so Let's say in snacks, we found that salty uh, snacks uh, for certain. I, I don't know if you heard of kodubale. There are certain yeah, yeah, you know yeah. uh, traditional Karnataka snacks. So that people are talking about salty snacks, they liked spicy. They didn't like. Let's say right. That's sort of an example. Now that is a potential question you can put forward to your customers, hmm. right? If that insight was not enough to you on its own, we are telling you on a big, big thing. You, if you still want to do your research, research, this is an important factor for you to do your research on. So. it's again i mean corner case use case but what what basically like you said uh, it sums it up well is that we help you 
find those insights from the data which you don't have right so it'll help you a lot with that sort of a application yeah <laughs> you know even though there are a lot of fascinating things about what you do though like more than your company and the idea you as a person fascinate me you know like there are like there are a lot of things about you that i admire and like i i tried starting uh, a startup so like i had this one idea with a friend of mine we wanted to do something which was like few years back like 3 4 years back probably and i when i look back i know how dumb i was and how strong my dumb perceptions were so like when i look at you right do the one thing that strikes me is it is not easy to do what you're doing because like you are young i mean like you are younger than me and like with the people that you work with they are they are older to you right like some are probably like 5 6 years older to you but right. your management skills right like there are so many resources there are people who are developing there are people who are marketing there are so many resources that like consumer has and you being at the center of it and you coordinating with everybody and you managing it so like so peaceful you know like i've seen it like in, i mean I, i don't think peaceful is the right word but without any chaos like you manage it so well and that's one thing that i admire the most about you honestly so there's this there's always i mean thanks first of all ankash and i think uh, you know you're being too kind but uh, there's always chaos it's just that <laughs> if you filter the chaos and streamline the chaos uh, it's kind of my job to ensure you don't fall into the chaos right so uh, it comes to simple things right uh, if i have like you said we have different domains uh, you are not required as a designer to sit for a marketing domain or marketing call so the marketing chaos it's just about diverting the chaos into different directions uh whatever issues we have with regards to design and maybe product would come to you but uh, or or to my design team but the rest would go to my engineering team or the rest would go to my marketing team and i've been blessed again by pvl and you know, thanks to the funding and the environment i'm in to have the resources at my disposal that uh, tomorrow we need to do this we have people there that i can you know i don't need to worry about the hiring problem and uh, getting people on board we have resources available which we can you know readily access so that helps in reducing the chaos because when you help people compartmentalize the work which is relevant to them only right you don't need to stress about the other problems which i am having so uh, in a way like you said i think that is one of the core responsibilities when you have a team is to ensure that the team is able to work without a roadblock in fact you know most of my time when we are developing a product within an engineering team itself would be spent on ensuring that people don't trip over each other that means if person a requires some de- deliverable from person b i don't we can't we have to ensure that person b doesn't become a roadblock in this or i don't become a roadblock in this and you know right as a entrepreneur at least in the early stage uh the idea is mine the concept is mine the thoughts are mine which means everything's in my head which means i will be required in multiple places at the same time if you want to design something the only guy who can answer your doubt will be me and being a solo founder that means i am the and uh, the data resource repository you can say right so me as a human being i need to ensure there in the team i am not the roadblock so if you require some work to be done you need to be able to you know i need to be able to be accessible or work async so that you get it so like you said right there is always chaos but uh, streamlining it is very important uh, coming to the other point of you know how we handle uh, a, a company right uh, like you said uh, in terms of how you start how you grow how you pivot how you scale i think again we are very very early stage right i'm we're not 
no, yet the unicorn we want to be. But uh, or what we learn is that uh, if you give it enough of a shot, right, you give it a chance, uh, and you keep working, iterating, working, iterating, working, iterating, with an open mind. It's very important to have an open mind. If you're stuck on the idea that this is what I want to build, and I don't care what the user says, then it's very difficult to change. I mean, you need to be very, very open to change. And I know a lot of people who, when they work and they built something, they're like, this is it, right? This is my built version. I am done with it, right? Uh, get it out there, sell it. But you always need to iterate, always need to be willing to listen to the people outside who are important, right? Give it a shot in your mind. At the end of the day, it's your mind to decide yes or no. But making those decisions, you can only make the right decisions when you have the right information to make the right decisions. So give it a shot to get that information. And then when you make the decision, uh, you know, you'll still make a lot of wrong decisions, but uh, hopefully the right ones overshadow those. Right? <laughs> so it's, it's it's as, as you know, simple as that. You know, why I admire that was because, like when I gave my example that, you know, I started a business few years back, I was literally right. lacking that. I, I was lacking two things. One is managing the chaos. The two is I didn't know what I didn't know. So even like, like it's always important to know what you don't know, right? So that you can put efforts into learning that. I I feel like few years back, like even when I was doing my bachelor's and now that I'm graduated, my confidence level was like way higher back then than it is now because then I didn't know what I didn't know. And now I know what I don't know. Like what are the aspects that I could learn on? And now when I look at people around me right there's so many people who are doing things better than me like you like, like you literally uh are, be are better at managing chaos than i was so you know looking at all of these things this a lot of people lack like a lot of teenage businessmen like a lot of people they lack that so they don't put in efforts into learning the craft so you right like you are doing mechanical engineering and Right? You're doing mechanical engineering, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, so you're doing mechanical yeah, yeah, engineering. <laughs> and consumer is a software-based company where you're working with a lot of people from a software engineering field and there is artificial intelligence involved. So initially when we started also, like initially when I was part of consumer, there are so many things that you didn't know, but you put in efforts into like knowing little bit about that so that you can have conversation with people who know that. So that like the, the resources, like with whomever you want to work, right? Like you need to know something about that. So you were always like, had your eye open about learning and like, uh, like seeing what you don't know. So yeah, I, I think clearly that helped you uh, like be better at what you do. So so when it comes to learning, right, I think uh, that's one thing which people misunderstand a lot of the times. People think learning can happen only in courses or in college or education. Uh, in fact, I mean, like you said, right, I have built AI systems while being a mechanical graduate where I should not have any business doing that. Uh, it's because it's not just a degree or just the college or just the course you do that defines. I mean, I didn't do any course in AI. It's like... It's about learning. And today, I think a lot of the top entrepreneurs that will tell you that right? Elon Musk will tell you, uh, Bill Gates will tell you, Jeff, Steve Jobs will tell you that what advantage we have today is the information availability. You know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to learn something, you either need to find a library or have rich parents to go buy the book or have some sort of a mentor who can tell you that. Uh, but today, for me to learn something, it's as quick as a Google search. And I feel, right, uh, one major advantage you, I mean, if everyone can solve everything given enough time. 
you just need to have the time and the mindset to learn that uh again no one knows everything when they start out i mean i can guarantee you even even the top guys out there they don't start off by knowing everything they probably have some skills that they're very exceptional at but that isn't enough like you said you have so many domains to work around it right? so learning is is a necessity i think people learn forever one important thing when you said about confidence even you were more confident before than now right there's an interesting chart i saw uh, again no credits to me i, I found it uh, online was that there's a chart between confidence and knowledge right uh, x axis i mean y axis confidence x axis knowledge now at the beginning uh, people who don't know anything and don't have a knowledge don't have any knowledge uh, basically have lowest confidence people who know a little bit right they have minimal knowledge they have the highest confidence because <laughs> they know only little bit and they think that i know everything then when they learn more and more right the geniuses they realize that they don't know enough and that confidence again goes down so if you go ask the smartest people they are not the ones who will tell you i know everything because if they feel they know everything they don't right and that component of not knowing what you don't know i don't think people realize that enough that that is such a variable right it can it can boost up your anxiety like crazy when you when you grasp the fact that there are things out there that i don't even know i don't know now that will always be there it's about having the confidence right that uh, or having the principle that i am going to be there in this situation it's just me right you can figure out when you get there and this is again some some in theory there's a principle in uh, i've got the you know theory portion but there's something where it says a pilot in the plane principle Uh, what that means is that regardless of the conditions outside there's so many variables you can't control end of the day plane is in your hands it's in your hands you should trust yourself that if some new unknown situation comes to you which you didn't even know you don't know you should be having the confidence to deal with it or you should be able to learn something to deal with it at that point so the confidence in yourself is what matters and that's how you can you know figure out your way around uh, most of the challenges out there hopefully yeah so when you started consumer you were 19 years old right like like the, the start yeah. of where where it all began so what drove you into starting this because you were 19 years old and i know what 19 year olds do normally and like what they think like what their priorities are and you started out at a very young age which i mean that, that that that's what i consider young <laughs> at least so like what drove you to like start consumer at like 19 years old so going back right uh, i think 19 i was in 2020 last year itself 2020 summer uh, so i i've always wanted to look into entrepreneurship right i never thought i'll get into this early i always wanted to get into entrepreneurship but you know the ideal cycle would be that you study do a masters do some mad job experience work at startups and then understand everything and then once i know enough take the leap that that is you know the the ideal scenario which obviously as uh, that point of time thinking about it it made sense i i but fact remains that from beginning i wanted to be an entrepreneur and be in a position of entrepreneurship where i have control over a lot of things and i can make that sort of an impact on something so that's how that's the basic idea i had you know from from a long time before right but uh, what happened is in summer of 2020 uh, covid pandemic uh, there was something called the covid 19 india project which i was a part of uh, where it was a volunteer driven organization we had like lots of lots of volunteers amazing amazing people uh, and we worked on uh, basically you would have heard of the website covid19india.org where 
all the statistics and data for uh, court cases uh, until very recently used to be posted. So we used to aggregate the sources from different different areas, and it was a very volunteer-driven effort. Uh, where you know, to the GitHub repo itself, we had you know, thousands of contributors, right? So it was it was really really interesting to spend our, spend my time at that point of time there, and that is where an organizational structure. It was it was very I wouldn't say it had a structure, but it was fun to contribute to something which had an impact. Right? Mm-hmm. That that had an impact on people. Like uh, we were working in the social domain where uh, basically we it, it, there was a period of misinformation on COVID. There's a lot of false information being spread. You know the WhatsApp messages which were out were were poisoned. Were they were cancerous. I mean the messages were going out. Right. Uh, you know clap nine times and COVID will be gone. Do this. Do that. So the problem is a lot of people are gullible to these messages and a lot of people do not know the truth or do not know which sources to trust. And that is you know a different problem altogether. But we felt at least I was, I was working more in the social portion of COVID-19 India, where we had a Twitter uh, and Instagram following and we were trying to push uh, push out the misinformation with real information from WHO, Indian government, health institutes, you know, actual source of information. So what we made is change and we were getting billions of hits on the website. right? It were, it, we had a fairly decent reach where we decided to keep a banner on the web page, a banner on the page itself, because people used to check us maybe three, four times a day to see how many cases in the country, how many cases in the my district, my city, because very interesting stat point, right? And uh, the database stuff, which the folks in tech have done were brilliant. It was very interesting to see. So we added a, a simple bar on the top of the uh, a banner on the page where we kept rolling uh, in a carousel format, different, different, uh, basically facts about COVID. Uh, and then basically efforts of raising awareness, right? Do this, do that. There were in between, there were, other issues which we tried throwing focus on as well, right? other related and allied issues we wanted to throw on. Uh, and then in between, there was the shortage of beds, shortage of essentials when the lockdown prolonged. Uh, that is when we started an essentials page. Again, when I say we, I mean the entire collective, I mean the volunteer group as a whole. I, I wouldn't take too much credit for anything there. But uh, that's when the feeling of uh, working towards something and uh, you know getting some impact on the output uh, started off basically. because. There, there was no question about what's your degree, wherever you studied from, you know. There's, there's no bar for or threshold for you to cross only to be eligible. And there's no one to tell you that this is how we do stuff. It was more or less do it. And, and when, you, when you start working, and uh, that, that, that was basically a start point. I worked in another organization called TAP uh, for, for a while as the product lead. I led the product and, uh, you know, I worked with a really good product manager. And that's where the love for products and uh, you know the entry into the product system started, product ecosystem. I learned a lot about PM product management, how how we work with things, and we actually built a product with a net zero cost almost, right? Uh, apart from the domain, we don't uh, we, we zero cost at all incurred, and that's where was the first formal uh, that was in a way a startup uh, experience itself, um, which which started on building something great. And uh, we were involved across the board, from the product, from the tech, from the uh, marketing, uh, to PR. You know, the entire cycle, we were we were uh, a small team, and I was heavily involved in that. So soon after these two experiences, I realized that I need to build something. Uh, you know, it, it was it was I I really wanted to build something, and I, I kid you not, I sat down and I was thinking of ideas. And you know this, you know you fellow entrepreneur in a way or two, you would know that. Um, finding ideas, if you're chasing ideas, you don't find them. <laughs> if you chase ideas, you never find them. You find ideas when you're not thinking about it only. You're sleeping in the middle, you'll get a thought, oh, this is a good idea. So I was chasing ideas for days and 
I mean, not too many great ideas in that point of time. But one of the ideas I started off and I tried to found some uh, another small startup. I got a couple of my friends on board. I got a few people uh, through different organizations to uh, join. And uh, we started building an app um, in, in this period. And that is when, and this was a forced idea, uh, but it was a decent idea. It was not a bad idea. It was a good idea. Uh, at least, I mean, I would say that, <laughs> right? So I took that took that forward. We were building stuff. Obviously, uh, only happened because everything college, everything was remote, right? We had a lot more time on our hands then than usual. So I uh, had to spend it. And uh, it was fun to start building that. But uh, I remember there was a week where there were exams and there was a lot of chaos. And uh, I came across a real problem there. Well, I was not looking for a problem and I already had a problem to solve. And that was um, that community marketplaces was something I wanted to build. Uh, the problem which I faced, which I found was that I live in a fairly decent, large neighborhood. Uh, a lot of people here, a lot of uh, people live here. And there are a lot of sellers here. I mean, uh, because of COVID, a lot of people lost their jobs, which meant that they relied on the secondary source of income a lot more. You know, all the cottage industry type of stuff, right? Uh, where, where people make uh, handbags, toys, art, uh, small food. Uh, and, and sell within the community. These guys aren't Amazon sellers. They aren't the scale of large-scale brands. They aren't the scale of uh, that, but they have home-based businesses which they realize that they can make an income. And around this time, the sentiment of community also kind of peaked that let me help my neighborhood, let me help my people. So I felt that there was a need for some sort of a hyper-local Amazon uh, in a way, which is basically like having your e-com store for a small region, location-based e-com store. So let's say you live in a neighborhood in Mumbai, only that neighborhood, all the local sellers will be promoted. So because in Amazon, they would have to compete with, let's say, millions of uh, other sellers. With, without you, you can't compete there. But I was hoping that in a neighborhood environment, people would uh, have, favor that community sentiment enough to say that I will buy from my community, but not from. So, so uh, this is a problem. Actually, thanks to my mother, I came across this problem uh, because she's in all these WhatsApp groups, and she told me, "I mean, why don't you do that?" And I was like, "That sounds like a good idea." I dove through the WhatsApp chats, realized that there are a lot of people here, spoke to a few people and realized that, and, and you know me, right? I, I jump into things as fast as I can. I, I, I believe in doing, not just thinking, thinking, thinking. So I built a very small website, uh, you know, use some three third-party sources, all of this, built something and built a platform. And we tried to do an MVP structure where I, I basically had, uh, we onboarded a lot of sellers and I was planning on, uh, I, I was basically the WhatsApp connecting the seller to the buyer. Right. He will send me, I will get an order, order. I'll send a WhatsApp message to the seller that you have an order. Seller says, okay, I will place it this time. And I was the human WhatsApp in between. Uh, and when this was happening, um, what happened is we onboarded sellers in one community and we got about 100, 100 plus sellers, which was crazy. But the volume of purchases wasn't there. Huh. And we were facing a few issues with, you know, you have a supply, but don't have a demand for it. And a very important question of when you're in this middleman economy, important metric is your GMB, which is gross merchandise value of the product. It means how much volume of products and or value of products is flowing through your platform on a daily basis. Because if you are to take a cut, right, a transaction fee or one, two, three percent, it is a percent of this volume which is going through. And we just didn't have enough volume for the numbers to make sense. And the core concept itself was flawed because I over anticipated or over exaggerated or over expected the, uh, the demand or the value of community. Uh, in, in terms of these purchases. One was, of, of course, the purchase itself uh, weren't frequent purchases. Even the people who want to buy from the community, it's not like I buy artwork or I buy uh, vases every day, vases every day. 
uh, it's not like I, I you know so they don't know fast moving items and for the ones which are fast moving people would much rather go to amazon and buy it there right no one wants to buy a water bottle for regular use from their neighbor when they can get it cheaper and faster from amazon so this became the biggest problem i faced we had we had real proof and around that time uh, actually i pitched the same idea to uh, suresh sir and pvl uh, peso venture labs right this was around that october time frame when they got there so that's where i got into uh, pvl and we played with the idea so people as you know it works as more of a idea based or concept based fund uh, which is perfect because they don't ex- they don't expect you to stick with the first idea that comes in we develop the idea till we get it right and uh, get it ready to be funded to the next round so thanks to support we could we were able to ideate a little bit more and we came uh, while while working on this we worked on you know, different different proposals trial at the door <laughs> refunds reverse logistics we tried different different idea concepts but we were moving further and further away from the initial concept which i had so we then looked at the next thing uh, right I, this is another idea in my head from a long time was uh, how market research wasn't uh, wasn't much uh, what do i say uh, disrupted by tech no it wasn't disrupted by tech okay. so i tried to find a way to disrupt market research because market research from years has been the same uh, people haven't used technology as much as they should have So we started with that. We, as you know, built the idea, uh, went to market, spoke to a lot of people, and with feedback and and building feedback, building feedback, building these iterations have led to what we are today. And there's nothing to say we might not iterate again, right? But uh, the the core concept of this uh, was that that we need to find a way to get you insights to find you value from using tech, and that that's how we came across what we are uh, today. <laughs> isn't this so crazy right uh like from where you started you know it seems pretty quick to me like since when you started to like what you worked on right like it seems like you've figured out your way of doing things faster so when you started it was not much long right it was probably like one two years back but like when you started you might have been slightly all over the place with respect to how you were working but then slowly you learn how to hold on to ropes right like you you figured out like jugad like you know this is what mental jugad basically like your way of organizing things in your head so that you function better and uh, initially when before we started recording this podcast we were talking about the fossil fuels and those problems right like just to add that here it's when you see a problem right like you saw a problem and and you try to tackle it and everybody in this entire world when it comes to entrepreneurship they're like you know what you should solve a problem solve a problem like that's been like the buzzword right solving the problem but sometimes the problem is so multidimensional and it is hard to understand what is causing the problem so we were talking about fossil fuels right like how everybody is saying you know what like we need to stop using fossil fuels we need to move to like solar or other sources of energy which is much more sustainable and everybody is putting efforts into moving into that direction and like what you said earlier right like it made 100% sense so like fossil fuel like that is not the core problem like like we like it being like a like fossil fuels having an expiry date is not the actual problem right 
right right so to elaborate on that right so what what basically uh, i was learning and studying again uh, not the expert on this subject by any you know breadth of the imagination at all but so what i learned is that i think from from very young age uh, you know first second third standard itself we are taught in evs classes that the fossil fuels are bad because they are running out we don't have enough fossil fuels and theoretically it makes sense when you think about it because it takes millions of years to uh, millions or thousands of years to form fossil fuels which makes sense that okay that means we are using it so fast that we might not have it for the next million years uh, next generations will not have these fuels and there are predictions that come up that yeah 50 years will be out 100 years they've been out you know these predictions have been keep they, they keep coming out so one of the major reasons why people say uh, you know fossil fuels are non renewable source of energy right you cannot renew them in a meaningful time frame that seems to be the focus around uh, the narrative of fossil fuels are bad whereas the real reason and then coming to the real reason before the real reason to break to kind of bust this myth right and you everyone i mean if you're watching this and you disagree i'm open to learn and open to understand it even further if you have you know more valid points but what i learned understood is that fossil fuel availability or shortage is not the problem it's not a supply problem here and i'll give you a very simple example to demonstrate right uh think of it this way the earth itself is a ball of energy and the simple principle which you're already taught is energy can neither, neither be created nor destroyed right uh now if you take the earth as a system and there is energy imparted into the system uh and we don't lose too much energy to the universe or we ignore that portion uh imagine the amount of energy that's contained in the earth itself already which is you know available for use the magnitude is so much compared to the negligible amount that we use uh in in in, in just theory you know thinking from a very uh, abstracted point of view but coming to more factual basis right uh between 2011 to 2013 around 2011 uh, there were there were a lot of people saying that us is uh, oil reserves will fall there are not enough oil resources etc what happened is that's when they found something called shale oil shale gas shale gas is something which is a, a natural gas which is found below shale rocks uh and this was this was always there i mean everyone knows this as a potential reserve of fossil fuel but nobody could crack the problem of how do we extract the shale uh, extract oil uh mainly because shale is too impermeable so it's not easy to crack it open and uh, extract the gas economically but what people found and there were new technological advancements there in uh, i think there was uh, hydraulic fracturing or horizontal drilling these are two techniques that they uh, came up with technologically to extract this gas at a very uh, you know uh, economically viable rate now when they did this uh, almost 33% increase just in 2 years 33% increase in the oil reserves oil and gas reserves of the us in just 2 years right this is basically the 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 point is that today what shortage we see is what are the most easily accessible extractable resources but as you know with time i mean there are a lot of resources couple of resources i'll give you are something called gas hydrates and uh, there are some some uh, stuff with shale oil and there are certain other ultra heavy oil right ultra heavy oil basically is a type of petroleum or a type of oil which is uh, extremely viscous extremely high high specific gravity high specific density so it can't be extracted very easily but doesn't mean it can't be extracted in fact people say that that resource on its own ultra heavy oil on its own can can be increasing our coverage or our reserves several fold that means you know multiple 100 percentage increases which means if someone gives us 50 years for the current source to run out that means this can increase that to another 500 years i mean 10 times 500 years you can take into consideration gas hydrates on the same way are extremely available so the problem is not availability of oil 
availability of petroleum availability of fossil fuel because i always i i mean from what i've learned i feel that you can always access more and more petroleum more and more fuel obviously there will be an end to it at some point but we are nowhere near the last 10% or last 20% of that consumption in the first place second place is that why people can ask it okay if there's so much why are we struggling today why are the prices so high why what what is happening the problem is more about the willingness to crack that problem the us cracked the oil uh, shale oil problem or shale gas problem only when they realized that there shortage there's a shortage in their current and ong system that is the only time when they realized that let us spend some money on rnd to figure out new methods to solve this so if you can solve a complex problem like that solving problems like these i feel that as humans in the current age at least we are lucky enough that we have the brains and the capacity and the money and the willingness to solve what a problem is posed to us when I mean, we have solved elon has solved going to mars right we can we can figure out a lot of the things which we need to be done but coming coming to this right so there are resources are there there are obviously that small leap you need to make from practicality from theory to practicality which is going to be bridged by technology right technology and figuring out getting your best minds working on it i feel 100% you can crack those problems so the problem is not availability i think that is something we can establish but the real problem which we come to now is more about the usage the transport and the extraction and how these three contribute to pollution right if there's something which is very irreversible or non renewable it's the environment right once you screw up the ozone layer uh the technology or the investment required to fix that would be much much worse or much much higher than what is uh, to solve the other supply side problems so then let's go to simple problems right from from extraction what are the basic principles or standards you face when you extract these oils uh from a humanitarian point of view you know you you heard of families being displaced just for an oil pipeline or just to drill and get it so starts from extraction and production itself to transport oil spills you've heard of you would have heard of you know different sort of poisoning water poisoning water body poisoning stuff like that that's transport problems and the biggest problem today is the pollution by usage of uh, fossil fuels now like you know fossil fuels the easiest way to use it is by combustion you burn it get some uh, heat generated convert that heat into something useful now when you combust you know that there is a lot of emissions out there a lot of harmful toxins gases which are you know exposed to the environment the biggest problem today is that and one good point you made when we discussed earlier was that uh solving this entire problem finding the solution to this is not in solar not in wind not in thermal i'm not saying that bad i'm saying that is not solving this problem that solves a different problem which we'll come to later moving to that because today we are not pro- having a problem with where the energy is going to come from we know where the energy is going to come from right we can be happy that supply is there the problem is are we using this efficiently effectively and environmentally friendly we are not that is the biggest problem today using solar doesn't change the way that you are going to drive to college tomorrow in your hyundai i10 which is petrol fueled that will not change it uh what will change that is figuring out solutions which are more consumer oriented on emissions right we need to find a way to make usage of this fuel a lot more and a lot more green if someone can figure out a way i mean something simple as catalytic converters right uh, basically i think it it converts a lot of the carbon monoxide emissions into uh, less toxic gases okay why aren't these mandatory on every vehicle or are they and are we still not able to find a device efficient enough to reduce those emissions right you know so what the problem, the problem is, here 
you know what the yeah. problem is i'm so sorry i just like uh, barged in to like what you were no saying no problem yeah go on the problem is the topics that we are trying to tackle here right some people are married to that narrative i i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing i mean for like personally i believe that this is a bad thing that coming off social media and uh, like any sort of media right now is the narrative that they're selling right everybody wants to be a part of that narrative so now if you try to tell this logically people won't listen to you because they have this uh, an agenda in their in their mind and they want to make that the point of their life like greta thunberg right like what's her name greta thunberg thunderberg what's greta her thunberg name? yeah okay so greta thunberg yeah whatever points that she says right they are so emotional and they are they don't have any logic in them like this is my personal opinion okay like do she has no idea of the magnitude of the problem that she's talking about like what is the core problem how can it be resolved like our entire world energy 80% or like i, I think like more than 80% is driven from fossil fuels right now let's say if we stop using fossil fuels do you know like the world would end like like the innovation the progress everything would just like stop so exactly so, so the narrative you said right hmm. the narrative you said is not only through social media in fact the narrative is fed through us from a schooling and a curriculum exactly. and point of exactly. view exactly exactly but but coming back right like you said the very important point here is that we are not saying solar and all is bad i mean i i believe that that is really good uh, finding renewable sources sustainable sources is good but when we look at fossil fuels i don't think any of the renewable sources today can take place of the volume of energy consumption we use with fossil fuels people it can never replace that when you say that i'll tell you why like people will not listen to you when you say that is because global warming or let's say gender inequality or let's say gender uh, like the fluidity of the gender people pick up certain topics who they like beyond them and they make that their identity right like they don't want to change that and they don't want to listen to the logical reasoning behind the problem because they they they, they want to believe this construct so the reason why i wanted to say this is that the rational element of analyzing a problem right that is missing in our especially in our right. generation because initially you said that there is this graph where people who know nothing will have less confidence people who know something will have the most confidence right i feel our generation with this whole social media they have very little knowledge and their confidence is off the charts like like it's overconfidence purely so the reason why i wanted to bring this in is because we are all in that age right like we all are we, we all are being fed that narrative but like when you want to solve that problem when there is money involved you need to look at so many different attributes that is influencing that particular problem so yeah <laughs> yeah like i said approach approaching the problem right is again comes back to your your entrepreneurship or your mindset in solving problems like entrepreneurship is nothing but solving problems right so when you solve a problem uh, it's again you need to define the problem so clearly and understand all the variables and degrees of freedom you have and the constraints you have before you can find a right approach to the problem solving a problem without having the right knowledge of the problem itself will be very you know counterproductive 
so again coming back to solar right and why i keep mentioning this is that uh, i feel these are two separate distinct you know divisions we have uh, sustainability versus renewability so sustainability means that it does not harm the ecosystem around it it has everything it needs for its own production within and doesn't harm the other ecosystem constituents whereas renewability means that if i use something it needs to be used again it needs to be renewed uh, think of it from a tank perspective right? you have a tank with the inlet and outlet valve uh, if you have water flowing in water flowing out if the rate of water flowing out is more than rate of water flowing in obviously at some point tank will empty correct that is your renewability problem which i completely can get behind that if i use these resources so fast today that my, it obviously takes thousands and millions or whatever number of years to regenerate that means i am pulling out more energy than it has which i completely agree with right uh, but that is not the problem we can talk about today until there is something called something like nuclear power becomes uh, more mainstream enough that you can say that renewable power can replace the volume of fossil fuels today until we reach that point i don't think there is a you know discussion on renewability at all until we have a viable substitute i am not going to even talk about renewability what we need to talk about is the millions of cars millions or billions of vehicles industries uh, you know usage of this and production units of power and fossil fuels and how we can reduce the emissions reduce the harmful effects of that hmm. which which i feel we have very smartly diverted the the attention from how do i fix my car today to why not change the car only because i'm telling you i mean 70 to 80% of people will not be able to afford itself to change their vehicle altogether to let's say an ev or a emission free vehicle today at any point of time yeah. right the people who are, maybe the next purchase i make might be a ev because it's emission free or whatever reason but today how are you going to replace i mean the replacement is going to be so gradual that it doesn't make a meaningful impact on the world for you to make an impact and cut down the emissions it needs to be retrofitting that means you need some devices that can retrofit on existing so existing hardware on existing usages of this fuel because for example a factory's lifespan would when you build it when you calculate your capex cost and you factor it out would be for a minimum of 10 15 years at least right you don't i don't see factories being demolished every 2 3 years so when you build a factory that is expected to live that long you need and vehicles also i don't see people change it every year apart from I mean, unless you're very very uh into that so when you have i mean the majority is here now problem you are solving for a future problem or a beautiful idealistic problem that if i get an electric vehicle it cuts down the emissions which again we can get into another long discussion of where if something is electrically powered emissions are not here it's just somewhere else right that that is a different uh, conversation to have but more importantly if we can figure out a solution using and this requires a lot of governmental or regulator support right how are you going to enforce this amongst the public which could possibly be a potential reason why people are not that narrative is not being fed is because the government expecting a government to push on this would be at a cost of the industry would be at a cost of a lot it, it would probably make a lot of people unhappy right but finding a solution which can be retrofitted on existing you know let's take a very vehicle uh, take vehicles alone and isolate that as the problem today if we can find a device that can cut down emissions in vehicles or improve the emission quality right uh, remove the toxic gases or the cfcs uh, and and retrofit these uh, sell it as a device and make it mandatory that 
you need to retrofit you need to have this or some list of approved devices yeah, on your vehicle for you to run companies can have that before the product correct. comes out to the market correct 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 yeah even before you come to a market i mean obviously i think bs6 bs5 bs4 you know those various st- uh, the stages you have right those are again emission standards itself there is a standard emission test that happens today but it is not as efficient as you would want uh but yeah something to do with vehicles that would be something like a catalytic converter or something which converts emissions into something useful when you go more large scale into production facilities onto uh, you know big 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 towers big big you know this is where most of the power drain happens and most of the fossil fuel consumption happens uh, how do you validate it there in space for example you know people are very nobly trying to go to space but you do know every spacex rocket that goes up you see the flames which are happening right you see the fumes that are uh, coming out so how do you reduce that how do you i mean some of it obviously you can never remove it altogether there's always a you only reduce there's never completely remove out of there but how do you optimize that there in such a way there where technology is possible and affordable uh, you make sure to cut down on these side effects of fossil fuel consumption that is the solution to the problem yeah. the, and people are very very well misguided you know that <laughs> okay solar will solve it and you tell me right how will solar solve the problem of my car you see in autos in bangalore how will solar solve the problem of those black gas coming from the autos in the on the roads you yeah, oh, solar will never solve that problem on them. like for them to move to something like that right the the, the initial change cost inertia itself yeah, yeah. like it's super it it's it's super hard another the thing about problem right it's to longevity of the problem like whatever problem that you are trying to tackle few years down the line will that be relevant because technology is growing so rapidly and and like whatever problem that you choose will the growing technology will solve it quicker than you expect it so then your problem has no exactly so an example right? there really really good point i think you came to the exact correct point there that from from my understanding nuclear power uh the volume of power generated in by a nuclear power plant uh is far it, it's far exceeds you know your uh, thermal plants and whatever other power plants you have so in terms of volume itself and i'm not going to touch upon uh, chernobyl and you know your uh, different side effects of nuclear power and those power plants and leakage and radiations which again you guys i can't comment on without knowing more uh the nuclear power plants will be a potential solution if technology can figure out to make a way to make them safe if not already that solves the problem at a vast vast scale and a lot better scale than solar does or than wind does right these are so you know you're solving something which again i'm i'm, I'm nothing against these power types and renewable types at all i think very very important because like i told you in the beginning right the theoretical approach of earth as a system all energy just changes from one form to another so when we are changing energy from one form to let's say wind form uh we need to be able to harness that power back it's just that these are very small percentage point improvements whereas the larger improvement we can see in our environment will be more from a better consumption so see it's always uh it's never a single problem you solve there are always five and different problems you are solving um, i mean you don't know that always one problem statement can cover it right i can cover all of human problems in one line that humanity is you know let's say human poverty which then comes under thousands of different sub problems right so it's difficult to isolate that specific problem statement that you are solving for but to do that right what problem to choose itself is a decision you make in the beginning 
and that problem needs to how do you choose a problem it should be the one which has the most impact right out there and this from i'm, I'm talking more from a global perspective than than just a company perspective so which problem out of these five problems has the most impact does renewability the as a problem have the most impact or does uh, cutting emissions have a more more larger impact on to your larger statement of sustainability right both of them definitely have impact but what should we focus more on right that is the question which i feel honestly from a volume perspective and from the numbers i have seen that focusing on cutting down and retrofitting and figuring out what's happening now with fossil uh, and uh, like you say 80% is lot more better than focusing on the 20% problems of solar and wind and whatever other problems we have which i'm pretty sure we have the best minds working on that so it's more of i mean i'm again i don't know what the technological advancements are in all these areas but as a public opinion perspective we should stop just purchasing the narrative of this is the only good thing there could be something better which has a bigger impact which we need to focus on it might not be as uh, you know as buzzwordy uh, or as yeah. trendy as what you have but that is a better solution i mean you tell me right a catalytic converter or a emission thing is not as beautiful as uh, a solar panel or piezoelectric uh, sensors i think so I'll, I'll, an example 2012 london olympics they implemented something called piezoelectrics piezoelectrics is basically crystals where it converts mechanical pressure into electricity so if you walk right their their, their branding was that you are going to walk on our footpaths to the stadium and we'll generate power for the stadium from the footpaths right uh, this is this is was one of the uh, use cases there which is again that sounds amazing but ask them what volume of power they could extract from that uh, right so coming back <laughs> it's many, like how, how many tube lights were you guys able to light <laughs> so again i mean i'm pretty sure it did a good job because there are a very large volume of people walking to their events which is again noble idea but again that will not be as beautiful i mean that will nothing like i mean the stuff which have a bigger impact aren't as beautiful and people don't want to you know subscribe to that narrative because it's not nice it's not trendy when i put it on my story right uh, whereas this olympic thing makes a great story any time of the day yeah you know what <laughs> to give a perfect analogy right like let's say if there is a tank and there is a hole and the tank is leaking everybody are thinking about buying a new tank and replacing it rather than closing that hole first so like everybody everybody is thinking about the future and like everybody wants to do that but they are leaving this one behind like they're not trying to bridge this like yeah there are two section one is future and one is present or past but there is no smoother segue to that you know like nobody is trying to patch that hole they just want to change the tank but then <laughs> in the meanwhile the water is leaking right correct so, so exactly an- that's another, a very good example another point that that hit me was like i was listening to this podcast where they were talking about this like renewable sources fossil fuels and that in that he says uh do like like when you take 1980s or like back then when like cars came out right the mileage of the cars was very bad like they they used to use a lot of fuel but over the period of time the efficiency of how we use fuel has increased so we like, like the vehicles mileage is increased the amount of fuel that they need to run for certain distances is also significantly reducing so as the renewable sources like the fossil fuels as they are running out 
we are also efficiently designing technology which is complementing that you know like we're not just like like using things we are we are also like moving that and people completely lost track of this coordinate and how things are moving in that direction like how is technology uh, affecting that like the renewable source and the fossil fuels you know this narrative of fossil fuels has been pushed down our throat from decades you know ever since i was a kid they were like oh global warming bro global warming was scaring the shit out of us when we were kids but now we are entering adulthood and like the now there are very slight impacts of like global warming you know like i might get a lot of hate for this but people are exaggerating global warming you know i'm i'm not disagreeing that there is no global warming but like it's like if you just if you are walking and if you just fall down and people say it's because of global warming you know like there are a lot of natural calamities that would have happened any which ways and now you're linking that to global warming right like like that narrative everybody is just like get it yeah so that's another problem yeah so so again global warming is one different topic again <laughs> see the thing is if i don't have knowledge on something enough right if i don't study it enough i don't feel comfortable even mentioning left or right right i'm pretty sure the people who talk about global warming would have done a lot more research than i have sitting here because i have you would have done you also would have done a lot more than i have because i i have looked into that itself at all in fact what i specifically looked at is that i mean we are definitely not in a very beautiful place today okay there's a lot of issues with uh, and global warming could have could be one of the symptoms of or one of the diseases due to uh, because of this uh, emissions and you know different type of fossil fuel usage which again right my point is that when we are solving that problem the approach to the problem needs to be right and we need to uh, i mean and and i say we again I, i'm not talking from a researcher or from big co uh, talking about it i'm or government talking about it i'm talking about more from us as individuals when we look at the future of ourselves and our humanity right uh, when we look at problems and when we realize and decide what is good what is not um i feel we need to focus a bit more uh, i mean once we have enough knowledge of course we need to focus a bit more on understanding how to cut and and fix what we have broken already uh, before we look at huge fixes uh, right which first fix the most impactful things that we can fix today because like i gave an example electric vehicles can never take over the market uh, in terms of the size of vehicle let's say you, you india itself right india might be one of the largest uh, markets for for vehicles and it probably isn't the largest but india china and all have a good large amount of volume of population and vehicle usage two wheeler usage auto usage you know now we can never replace all of this within the next 5 years i don't see india replacing all my cars by evs i don't even see us replacing everything by evs in 5 years right the more short term solution but a, a converter or emission control can be implemented in 5 years so we are while people are working on longer term solutions which i am not saying stop by any means i am saying let's give a little more attention a little more focus a little more push and support to short term high impact fixes hmm. we need to look at the short term also you are thinking about your kids correct you are thinking about your kids what about you right you also need to live so we need to make stop romanticizing long term fixes and look at what can we do in the next 10 days so what a shortage what can we do now to fix that 
right water pollution a simple fix was in every lake when the when the sewage is entering the lake uh, the japanese have implemented this is put a net and a net that's all a fisherman's net you have a low cost very very small called a 100 buck net can save so much pollution from entering the lake right people are thinking how do i solve sewage problem i'll do this i'll do that i'll put regulations i'll change i'll reuse the water which i'm that's not the solution simple i mean our ancestors have always done it well right very simple have you seen roadside drains they have been here since you know the beginning of time the solution would have been very simple to keep a net so that the plastics and all get stuck in the net of course this is a very simple example there are lots of dimensions to that like the plastic itself can block the water flow different ways to solve it but why don't we look at that because that isn't beautiful but in vartur they dig up the entire lake redo the entire bed remove the entire water and pour it back in while not solving the source itself where the fewer where the you know bad water is coming from chemicals are coming from itself so today that fixes tomorrow it doesn't so we need to look, stop doing these long term high investment fixes try and find out spend the same amount of time effort and money on something which can retrofit and improve today's conditions itself that will have a larger impact at least in the short term in my opinion yeah <laughs> you know it completely makes sense whatever you're saying and that is the reason why i love talking to you is because when i look around people right like when i talk to them the priorities of what they want to do with their life and like how they think about finance and money are completely different so like everybody wants to like when they start a business right more than the problem their fascination of how they're going to be when this be- when this business becomes successful or like what sort of lifestyle they're going to have when this be- when this business becomes successful is the primary motto you know like that's why a lot of people are navigating towards like bitcoin or like sorry cryptocurrency and uh, the nfts and all of that right i like initially when i thought of bitcoin i thought that like i actually there is a clip on youtube where i talk about that like bitcoin and you know, like everything is just a fad you know like people are just like going behind it and very few people know the fundamentals of how bitcoin works or like what blockchain is i stick by that statement even now but my views on bitcoin and like the blockchain is completely changing because the i am reading slightly more about that like i'm learning a little bit more about that so my views are changing but i i i think not a lot of people give a thought about fundamentals you know like when you're starting up a business what is the fun- like now as a consumer you know your fundamentals right like as a as a company what you want to do what you stand for like at least even if it's not literally in your subconscious you know right so that's why when you pivot from one uh, like one step to another when you take pivots when your fundamental is strong the pivot makes sense if you don't have a foundation the pivot is just changing ideas like it's not called pivot it's just like being all over the place and so yeah like the priorities you know fascinate me so one thing you said right startups itself um, i mean today startups luckily or unluckily in india have started to become mainstream we've seen some amazing successes you know uh, you've seen success stories with uh, uh zomato ipoing you've seen uh, paytm free charge uh, swiggy zomato you have cred uh, kunal shah a uh, lot of these guys have become mainstream startups have become mainstream and uh, it's just obviously a good thing that startups are getting a lot more coverage 
uh, in mainstream media and in, in the press in in you know wide circles in households especially right people are more open to joining startups now because they see it as a very viable thing people are i have made it very beautiful and exciting now but the downside which it comes obviously comes with anything becoming mainstream or anything becoming trendy is that you get a lot of low value uh, participators of the trend and what i mean by that is a lot of people are just want, just want to call themselves a founder call themselves a startup ceo right i'll make one instagram page and say i'm the ceo of that page which again nothing against it uh, yeah but nothing against it but if your entire motivation of becoming of of building something or building company is so that you can have a linkedin page with uh, with i am ceo at so and so company then i have news flash for you you can do that without building anything <laughs> you don't need to build anything right nobody will say you are not you think of a name think of a startup write down you are the ceo of that startup on linkedin no one will question it but again that can never be your motivation because that will never sustain the length of a business and the grueling nature of building a business and you know that right and you know how we iterate and the, the challenges we go through on a day to day basis um again it's not that we do something great but we would there's no incentive to continue down the path uh, unless you actually love the problem and love what you're doing and this is true for anything right anything you do in life you don't like what you're doing it is a pain and you need to get rid of the pain some way or the other so if your if your idea is only that destination tomorrow i will be elon musk i will be kunal shah uh then news flash you it's not that nice and rosy at the beginning and maybe even throughout the journey i i will find out soon right so if you're not in love with the product in the with the problem and with what you're doing uh then you won't enjoy the journey and if you don't enjoy the journey what fun will the i mean what's to say you'll even get to the destination you need there's something that drives you in the bad times right when you're down and you don't understand anything that's happening what what is it that drives you uh if it's just something as superficial as uh me telling someone i own a startup uh then there that it's very easy to rip that off and say that i am no longer right it's very easy to say that i'm going to give up now but when you are actually passionate about it you cannot give up because you don't feel like it i mean at, even at your lowest moment you don't feel like giving up that's never an option you are in so much in love with it that you're always scratching your head trying to solve the problem rather than figuring out a way to get out of the problem and the moment and i give this a very easy example survival versus thrive um imagine you're in class right and if you don't enjoy the subject you will be looking at your watch every moment of time you're only in class so that at 12:45 when the lunch break bell rings you can go and meet your friends if that is your objective the destination is your objective that 30 or 45 minutes of class you're only looking at your watch waiting for the destination to arrive but if you actually enjoy what they're learning in class you won't look at your watch at all you're actually immersed in that so then that makes it a lot easier to end up at that period of time right so same same applies anywhere in life that from what i have seen so far it's like don't do it just because if it's something that's superficial motivating you there are easier ways to get there startups are not easy if you want to do something like that you want to own an instagram page it is easy you don't need to build a business you can start it your own right um, so there are a lot of entrepreneurs again there is no gatekeeping in the in the entire ecosystem right there's nothing saying that you need to do a b and c to be considered an entrepreneur in fact the more people embrace entrepreneurship the better for the entire ecosystem better for everyone uh, but it's it's more of a statement to say that when you get into this have a reason to get into it you know convince yourself of a reason that is valuable enough to get into it because that is what will drive you through every single day so that that is uh, what i feel you know is the spirit of entrepreneurship itself 
Uh, and again, I talk a lot about it, uh, and you know, I, I probably am not the best person yet, right? I'm, I'm by no means a success yet. And uh, but but just from the last whatever experience I have, whatever I've learned, right? And it's like you said, a very short period of time. This is what I kind of feel when I come to talk about this itself. Yeah. So if you are in a classroom where you're looking at the time for the class to end, change the classroom. like go sit another class so there are two things right like you said either you are focusing on what is happening in the class and you're paying attention for what is being taught to you or you're looking at the watch for the for the class to end and there is only one option which is you need to be in a class where you're enjoying it like so i don't believe in this concept of you know what you have to go through this shit now to have like a paradise later like if you're not having fun now what gives you the uh, the idea that you're going to have fun later like you don't have proof it's just that people have created it this false hope you know to go through their shit it's the same concept as when you die you go to heaven i think more of that i think more of that right uh, again what i feel that that entire narrative is that uh it it's more of a hope like you said hmm. but it's more to get you through the tough times because yeah. see every time you do something even if you love it to bits right i love football amazingly at some point i'll be too tired to play at some point i'll be down uh, at that point uh that all obviously contributes to your mindset that i want to get there right that's how you think of it when you when you're down so i feel the it will get better is more of a phase to help you get through tough times than it is your mantra to get through everything like if you start college in first year thinking that at the end of college i will get a job that is the point of college that is too long a time period for you to be thinking of only that but if you think of the next one month and you think i am going to focus on my studies get my shit together and you know write ace my exams so that Now, what is motivating you in those down times will be that okay today i'll spit till 4 am in the morning so that maybe Uh, 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 increase in my gpa leads to a job later that is more of a this is destination oriented thinking but if you start off itself thinking like that your entire four years you're only thinking of that destination it it it's not fair on you itself because you're not enjoying it anymore yeah your priorities right? change right half times only your priorities change right Correct. like when you want to do something few years down the line maybe next year you don't want that like maybe when you when five years down the line you don't want that you know like people uh people really underestimate the concept of you know do what you love right like people say you need to do what you love that doesn't mean that it's going to be all like rose beds in the path like i did my bachelor's in design right when i when i finished my 11th and 12th i had a taste of what engineering could be like the subjects and right. all of that and i hated it 11th and 12th i hated it so bad i didn't enjoy like it was like torture you know like those two years the studying for something that i didn't like and like the subjects i didn't like but i had to like i had to pass and go through it was horrible it was like military training so i made a decision like i am not doing engineering so then i thought okay what are my other options since i know what i don't like what might i like so then i got into design right you 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 won't believe it while i was going certain subjects whatever i was studying right I was like, holy shit! I didn't even know that like subjects like this were an actual subjects. Like, I was like, okay, wait, this is a class. Like, we are sitting and watching a movie and analyzing a movie. I was like, shit, this is a class. So, 
and then when i i mean there were tough times there too because I, there were timeline we had to do assignments and all of that now i have a job right and it is also hard like there is stress you know like uh, the, the project that we have me as a designer also there are so many things that i have to think about like there are timelines you you, you talk to your employees there there's a mentor like some manager or somebody above you who will be managing your work it is tough but this, i i'd rather choose this any day i don't wait for sunday you know i don't wait for like weekends to to come because like i don't believe in that concept and that has helped me immensely you know that has really really helped me so yeah like people you know like even though there are a lot of things that you might love like this podcast right like i'm passionate this is my passion project i love talking to people like you and i do this but i'm not expecting any money from this so i have i need money to live so i have figured out some other means to make my money from so like i know what i'm doing what for but if you're getting money from what you love good for you like that's the best but majority of the people, again same yeah, yeah exactly a really good point right so our conversation now comes from a point of very high privilege that we are privileged enough or lucky enough that we got to we got the environment and the support and the finances to go and pursue what we want to do what we love to do have the serving if without support without having this a generational effort which comes through right it's impossible for us to do that i mean there are a lot of people and majority of people who don't have the opportunity uh, or the privilege to go ahead and just do what they like uh, right i mean there are a lot of jobs i mean i'm pretty sure people don't like doing but they do it because they have to and uh, i mean you know it can happen to anyone right so it's not that you know this is just a very ideal case scenario that we talk about love what you do do what you love right you know, it's but not there ideal, are you know like, like honestly right i thought that like, like like you said even i was thinking about that but you know this is the only way to live your life like there is no other way let's say i 100% agree with what you said about you not everybody has this privilege of doing what they love but you still need to know what you like to do so that whatever you're grueling through this right like all like majority of the parents that i see like who are 40s and 50s they got into like they had to make a living so they got into like jobs and you know, at a very early age right like in their 20s and they've been like they this they work in that company for like decades if they get a bank then uh, i'm talking about like our parents generation so they didn't have the concept of do i like this or not because they wanted money so what i'm saying is you are doing a job to make a living to make a money good for you you need to do that but with that you still need to do something that you love so that you can create a segue from this to that you know like you you, you will have like you'll, it's a plan b of like for a better life totally get it so that's what i, I didn't let you finish your example there that's what you were saying with your yeah, podcast yeah. itself which you're yeah. running on the yeah makes sense makes sense completely yeah so there was a, that one more thing right in terms of marketing i wanted to share um, with which that i felt is a little close to this thing so i i love watching f1 and uh, football and uh, in fact i was uh, i played uh, in in lot of youth leagues at uh, different levels in india and it was really fun uh, i mean i was in the I won't say professional but at least uh, academy ecosystem uh, and when i was in the youth phase and that youth time the dream phase. was uh, so you know what phase are you in now <laughs> uh, for a footballer i am old <laughs> for a footballer i am old Bro, if you are 19 you and you play me? now 
No, you don't. So the football system, right? If you are not identified when you are fourteen, fifteen, or sixteen, uh, you're already old. You're too old to get into it profitably. You need to be in the system from. I mean, uh, that's India. Abroad in in Europe and UK, if you're not in this. I mean, top players have been in the system from their under tens, below ten. You've seen Messi play when he was six and seven. So, this is something which again uh, leave that portion out. It's more like, uh, yeah. So, so with this, I became very fond of Indian football, and there are not many people in India who are fond of Indian football. Uh, there are very sizable number, of course, because we have a very large population, but. There are a lot of people who follow football, but not Indian football, right? And for their own reasons, the football may be bad. They don't have superstars. Timings are bad. There are different reasons. So, being doing this and watching F1, I found one really interesting parallel, right? Uh, so, F1 very recently, uh, a few years back, was over taken over by Liberty Media, uh, which is a, a company which were basically bought over the entire F1 franchise. So, F1 their their growth in and their marketing. Strategy itself changed. Uh, they and I won't go into the details of the overall uh, changes in the structure, but one interesting point which I found that changed a lot was uh, how content sharing was not gatekept anymore. And what I mean by this is today, uh, and I'll draw the parallel to ISL, which is the Premier Indian League, which has you know great amount of investment from uh, you know the Ambani's, from FSGL, from Broad, uh, and also great amount of uh, Blitz and show and gala, you know, around the entire thing to make it make football the next trendy thing, right? So, um, when this is happening in F1, they had one major shift in terms of sharing content on social, right? Today, most of the conversations we have around sports, around music, around passions, exist on social media. Whether it's on Reddit, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know, it happens on social media. That's where the organic conversations happen between fans. And that is where, in fact, you get into touch with another sport. So, for example, me, I didn't get into F1 until recently, uh, a few years back. And the only reason I got, and even though my friends kept pushing me, watch F1, watch F1, I was never in the mood to watch it until uh, I, I started consuming some content online on F1. Right on Twitter, I found a few videos of uh, you know a few F1 races, and I was very interested. And this content came to me from some sort of a connect over connect over connect over connect, you know, very loose link. And then that content popped up on my feed. It got me on board. It hooked me, and as soon as that content hooked me, I started to watch more and more and more, get into it deeper, deeper, deeper. In fact, there's a Netflix series called Drive to Survive, uh, which is completely based on F1. And even though that might not be an accurate representation, you ask a true F1 fan, they'll they'll you know laugh you out of the room if you say uh, that's how you started. That's a that is a very great tool for them to extract the mainstream audience into it. Mm-hmm. Now, I in ISL, uh, what happens is that there is a very strong copyright rule on the content produced so star sports right star as a media company itself they i think they part own fsdl they part own isl or they one of the top sponsors in uh, and they're obviously the broadcasting partners which means that uh, they own the they bought the broadcast rights for a huge amount of money so they broadcast the show so totally fair to them they don't want to showcase uh, they don't want to let unauthorized people showcase the match uh, which which makes sense right so that that is true but sharing of content right let's say tomorrow yesterday my favorite team scored a crazy goal uh, i want to reshare that content i want to reshare it so that people in my following also see i want to reshare it so that uh, other people also see today it's not happening it doesn't you'll get struck down by a copyright claim within seconds uh, in fact my f1 journey started when i watched youtube compilations of the best races right uh, and compilations are basically 
you know they they take out the best moments from different uh, different feeds itself now you use one real star sports feed in any of your indian sport compilations you are out and it copyright strikes you within faster than lightning you will get stuck by copyright now a lot of the content creators i have seen around indian football because i like indian football right i'm looking for this content uh, i can't find good enough quality uh, video content because star has probably made this impossible to do and uh, i mean great kudos that their copyright team works that well but what they are forgetting and missing out is that today my only source of content is a centralized indian super league uh, website twitter handle social media maybe the star sports twitter handle social media but these already have set followings right this already has a following this already has a following what doesn't have a following so when you decentralize content creation when you allow content creators to create content with your content without asking them to pay you without asking them to you know it's that to is it i share something the hundreds others like me share something you suddenly have an explosion of sorts where content is going to places where this network could not reach hmm. people who who follow indian super league already know about indian super league yeah i right you are not and and the content you get here is again for a very broad mainstream age, uh, audience what about the niches you're missing out on within this itself you're missing out on a lot of niches i am looking for tactical analysis and i don't like the tactical analysis the isl dudes do because they water it down a lot for the general public i want to look at a very nice tactical analysis like the level of let's say monday night football that from they from a technical standpoint uh, technical standpoint some people want to look at the drama around the sport some people want to watch the best goals best tackles now there are some content that comes out from this but this network is closed i already know about isl how do they reach the people who don't know about isl how do they hook them unless you are sharing this content out right my friends who don't watch isl and they watch premier league and the other sports they don't have an opportunity to get hooked unless i physically send them the post of that other page they organically never have an opportunity to get hooked into indian football and there was there was a you were bridging the gap with let's say stadium experiences which really helped a lot of my friends came to a bfc match and they got hooked to the atmosphere which is why they follow the sport but in terms of the content i feel honestly indian football has improved several fold and in the past few weeks they i i have joked with my friends that we are indian football is more attractive than the football manchester united was playing right under uh, last management so it was true because the quality of football which used to be the biggest headache with people right there's not enough good quality in india why will i watch an indian do try to dribble and follow over the ball when i can watch the stars of their prime on my tv today it's no longer like that we get so many amazing talented players in this sport playing amazing football here itself uh, again we are nowhere comparison to that but it's not as bad as it was before yeah. but if you don't let people showcase that how will others know right that is one thing f1 did a really you know it's a master stroke there uh, that they played where they allowed people to con- share create content with the original feed itself uh, without a threat of copyright strikes without a threat of taking it down which helps a lot of non fans become fans and it helps improve the fans current hook and engagement to that product that right? i need to be so tangibly hooked to that that i don't want to leave the, so today right a lot of the fans who were hooked to bfc are slowly loosening out 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 why because all that you know halla bol they did around it has died down the last few seasons because yeah. of the pandemic whereas f1 interest has in, increased during the pandemic how because social so having you know this drawing this parallel i feel allowing content to be shared from an event and the extra people it can hook in is a higher you know economic gain 
than the cost of letting your broadcast go to different people. Uh, your live broadcast can still stay in the same place, but the benefit you're getting of decentralizing content sharing is a lot more and hopefully a lot higher than the cost you're going to incur, right? By allowing them to share. So let's say uh, the, the biggest headache would be that this is, I have bought this video, right? Why should I let Sankarshan play it on his YouTube channel to his thousand followers? For his, he will get the money. But when you look at Star India and Sankarshan, right? These are two different scales, right? If I am a football fan and I am, Star India has tens of millions of people who watch the game. But I'm a football fan who am, I am catering to my thousand loyal followers who like my niche. He should never get threatened by the amount of money I am making because it's peanuts compared to him. But if I get thousand more people to join the Indian ISL fraternity, that is a lot larger value to him than the opportunity cost of losing the content. Here, You, you yeah. get the yeah, type of economics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what the bigger picture here is? It's like I understand the standpoint that you're coming from, but thinking from a from a global standpoint or from a bigger picture, it's more of decentralizing things, you know. And like few years back, when let's say you have a startup idea, people are very hesitant to discuss with other people because they might steal your idea, right? So I think that inherently stopped a lot of people from progressing. The way how me and you met was through collaboration, right? Like had if if you thought that you know what like i'll hire somebody as a permanent employee or like i don't want to discuss a lot of things with him or like he might steal my idea i mean though that is possible you still there are ways where you can secure that and still make things accessible right you can still discuss the core is collaboration you know we all need to grow together it's not about like one person growing it so that's where i think the do Indian Football League like that. I, I think that's where it failed because they stopped the element of collaboration. When, when it comes to building community, right, the major concept is collaboration. That's when community builds around it. And football or like any any company that you see that builds a huge community around it, there is a collaboration that comes like in and out. Like when you see Netflix it collaborates with YouTubers to create content Correct. for them. So in a, there are a lot of YouTubers who I didn't know existed and I found them through Netflix. And there are a lot of YouTubers that I like. If they are doing something with Netflix, I get curious. Oh, what are they doing? So in a sense, yeah. this concept, right? Like people need to hop on because you can't do everything. And the sooner you realize it, the better it is for you. And you also need to be Correct. smart, you know, like you also need to be smart. Like you can make the other person sign an NDA or something like that. Like if you want to share your idea, but you don't have to like restrict yourself from like, like from other opinions and like other contributions to the idea. Makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's the entire point, right? That uh, like you said, community is like one of the Web3 uh, fundamentals they look at. Building communities, DAOs, decentralized organizations. These are all interesting stuff that the world is moving to today. The tech scene at least is moving to today. And yeah, like you said, right, it's very important that people understand uh, that uh, obviously there's, there's downside. I mean, I wouldn't say go and tell everyone your entire core tech, uh, right? <laughs> NDAs, all of that. There's a lot of things to think about in, in, in perspective. But uh, coming to a more simpler 
subsegment of the problem which we were trying to discuss is that if you don't allow it, it's a simple cost right it's a cost analysis you you do you sit down as a star india and they probably might have done it who knows and uh, i'm wrong uh, which which i'm more than happy to be wrong there is that if you analyze the benefit you are getting from allowing people to share your content i still feel that would foster i mean the tangible is obviously the the amount of people he can get the customer acquisition you can have through that but the intangible is the happiness of your existing customers itself right how much more hooked am i going to be to it these are not num- stuff which you can put metrics or numbers on it's something which you will actually see as an effect long term you'll see attrition uh, that yeah people were there but they are not anymore so i still feel that if you do an analysis on this you would come to the conclusion and i have kind of come to the conclusion that allowing people to share content uh, of of a sport is very crucial uh, to having them stick on to that sport and this is true everywhere around the world uh, if you don't have content supporting a sport uh, i don't think people watch it uh, apart from the pure purists who will watch it uh, regardless of the drama around it today sport is content right sport is nothing but content and if you don't find a way to see sport can happen once a week how can you keep the people engaged the rest of the week right that is where the rest of the content happens a match is 90 minutes but they say the the experience is forever that snippets of the match keep getting shared for the next 6 days and then they prepare for the next match and then they go to the next match this content is is like an ever complete circle that you shouldn't try and cut short and uh, if you are the only person doing that circle that also is not good because you're again centralizing everything and let's say i am a bfc fan and I don't want to see content about Odisha FC. I want to see content about BFC. How are you going to cater to those niches? As a centralized org, you can never cater to the niches there. And striking down people who are catering to the niches, it is probably the most stupid thing you can do, uh, right? So that that's something that's which really I good felt point, strongly though. about. That's a really good point about like even though you are creating content for one day, you can keep them engaged for like the retention, the engagement. You they'll hold on to you for longer. that's such a good point you know like even with this podcast right like i was thinking about like how do i be more out there like how do i make people be more engaging and all of that and one of the thing was this right like i wanted to post more i wanted to be out there more for people Correct. to stay connected and then it's not about the number of episodes that you are releasing out it's more about are they being engaged until the next episode is out so uh, i think from the from the point that you said right this is how i interpreted and how i can apply it into what i am doing so that's a really really good point ha <sighs> you know what this reminds me of like when you're talking okay. about that collaboration all of that right have you ever been to tirupati the tirumala yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, tirumala is a is a spiritual hill, hill station right like there there is a god and yeah. people usually go there to visit and I have been there recently like I think one year back when I went there one of the most fascinating thing that I observed there is the collaboration like when you see right people don't fight for one prey they have different different opportunities for so that everybody can feed i mean talking from like a wildlife perspective but yeah. like literally ta- talking there are so many auto drivers there but they don't fight that you know what i am going to take this customer and i am going to drive him because they know 
that like the one guy literally told the other guy that you know i've been waiting here from morning can i go now can i take this customer he said yeah yeah you go i'll take next so next time this guy will help him so there is this one sense of collaboration and there is one sense of community where things are complementing they're not contradicting they're complementing and if there is this synergy that's there i don't know if that's because of the spiritual energy there or something but there is a synergy you know like everybody there there is a sense of community there is a sense of peace so in fact i feel that happens only when you have trust so uh, usually i think humanity as a species we we are we are hardwired to do that itself you take the startup community right you take pbl as a community itself right uh, us teams help each other very often you know you need something i'll help you i need something you help me it's it's like you said a very that's how we are we have been as humans but uh, usually what comes along time is uh, some of the other events that break your trust and as soon as that breaks your trust you assume the worst on the next instance so let's say this auto driver example um, let's say this guy was waiting since the morning uh, or he says so he takes the in you allow him to take the customer and you find out from another guy that that guy has just made you a fool he's been sitting he's already finished five six trips and he's come for his seventh trip now that means that the next time somebody actually honestly tells you something you would not believe it because uh, somebody already broke your trust on the cycle so as human beings the lo- longer we can keep our trust in people right the longer we can go without breaking each other's trust uh, the the larger this ecosystem works in fact i mean you take the dodge coin or uh, bitcoin system which happens online you see the ecosystem people felt elon musk was their you know godfather of of those uh, you know coins which were happening and there was an event i think where elon said some crap and uh, dodge coin basically dive nose dive and everyone started calling for his head so now the next time elon spoke uh, nobody actually people stopped calling him the godfather stopped trying to uh, they they lost the trust in that factor uh, that he's going to guide you the right way which meant that they, they so that breaks a commu- community right a community is broken when you don't no longer have trust within the members itself and and discussing and understanding community is a lot more deeper than that but i feel at least in these situations an ecosystem survives when there's trust only if you don't have a trust or there are events that break that trust it's very difficult to get it back what a what a beautiful thing to say man like it resonated so much with me and it completely makes sense you know that's the reason why i love talking to you and that's the reason why i wanted to have you on the podcast is is like, like you know i love to be associated with people like you you know to have this conversations even you, you know this conversation is not some like it's not new to us right like we have this offline and we are just having this with a microphone and we with the recording right, right. but it's more or less the sort of conversation that we have right and when i look back for in in my life me being associated with this type of people like people where i can learn from has been like the impact has been so profound you know like in terms of learning in terms of like like being knowledgeable in terms of how i can do something better and like learning things like looking at how somebody do their work and their work ethic how do they manage and like right. personally right like i feel that is something that a lot of people are missing out on like you associate yourself with people who might be slightly below you and that might give you an ego boost and you feel superior and or you want to be alone or like 
you know there are like different different types of people right like people who like who are right. like narcissists there are people who like to be alone like introverts there are people who are like extremely extroverts but no matter what type of person you are this is something that everybody should have like they need to associate with people who are growth minded and who want to do something with their life so <laughs> makes sense makes sense <laughs> Thank, thanks again. I mean, you've been very kind. <laughs> the entire this thing, but again, I do. Like I always say, you know, there's. I mean, I haven't seen enough to uh, to to you know speak with confidence on a lot of things because I believe that you know half knowledge is worse than no knowledge. If I don't know enough, I'll probably tell you I don't know enough, and then tell you my opinion in there. So, um, it's like yeah. I mean, you you know, anyone watching it might think right. You're just twenty. Uh, what do you know? And I, I agree with you. What do I know, man? It's it's not much. i'm just trying to share what i think i know what i think i've learned through experiences and uh, you know been obviously uh, very happy that you have been kind enough to have me here <laughs> in, in the first place itself <laughs> it's uh, i'm glad man it's my pleasure so before we end this podcast do you have mm-hmm. any advice or like suggestions might not be advice but the things that helped you uh like be better at uh, like organizing a company or like be a better ceo or a better be a better businessman any advice for like people who are listening um i guess the only advice would be that you know what we discussed in the beginning right loving what you do uh when you're getting into something make sure you understand the journey involved the work involved and make sure you want to go down the path before you do right uh, i think if you make a conscious decision and this is a very important factor comes always into almost anything you do having the right information to make the right decision is the only way you can live at peace with yourself later on uh, you know people say i have regrets so the only reason you have regrets is that oh i i wish i knew this that point at time so eliminating all of this having a good understanding of uh, of the problem or what you are getting into before you get into it and making sure you love what you get into right I think that's the most important part. Rest of it you learn. There's nothing I can tell you today. Like I can't tell you go read this book and you will be very good at organizing stuff. Uh, in fact, that's something I'm guilty of. I don't read enough books. Uh, but what I can say from my experience is that if I work hard enough and I love something, I'll figure out a way to learn. I'll figure out a way to solve that problem. And I can I have that confidence in myself that. if i have the willingness to do something i will do it and as long as i like what i do i'll make sure that i'll figure out a way to do it so i i'm pretty sure that applies to most of us if not all uh, it's just that willingness and that passion for something that is very very important uh, you know wherever possible to have definitely man you know one piece of uh, advice that i gave to myself you know like this thought just stuck okay. to me where this is this is what i think about before i do anything or if i want to do anything i i always like obsess over or i get excited about the destination so if i want to do something let's say with this podcast it's very easy for me to get excited oh you know what like few years down the line i'm going to become like full famous i'm going to have this i'm going to have that guest all of that <laughs> but what i do is i i don't think about the destination i try to incorporate the part of the destination what might take me there into my behavior so i i like i love when i have set certain things in my head that might take me to where i want to go or something i don't obsess over that into my behavior you know like if i i i want to record a podcast 
like initially it was weekly twice now probably sometimes it might be weekly once or but record a podcast every week and then put it out you know like that's something that i want to put it like an actionable thing into my behavior like if i want to be better at like fitness and get fit incorporate that a part of that in my everyday thing so if Correct. i want to get better at my finance or if i want to do something i invest part of my part of the money that i make every month into some form of asset you know like i believe in that more than obsessing over the destination so yeah this is perfect, perfect of, i think <laughs> this is a so piece again, of yeah. advice i say to myself so that completely valid learn by doing not by thinking about what will happen yeah, yeah. very true very true you need actionable things you okay. know you need actionable things like yes the destination might be fancy but what is the first step like what do you do like what's the actionable thing that's been derived from that like i believe more in that correct <laughs> that that's really good i mean that's what got you so far right i think yeah uh, if you just kept dreaming about it you would never have a podcast and i would never have uh, you know these conversations and it's really good and like you told me right you you love doing these podcasts and love talking to the people you talk to uh, in a different wide uh, uh, you know a sample of people you speak to and their opinions perspectives help you so even if uh, that dream is not achieved you are still enjoying what you do today right True. so that is that is really really good and uh, again all the best with your podcast hopefully uh, we both make it so big that uh, i can be the biggest on your podcast <laughs> four five years from now true true thanks man. for again uh, you, know, you know having me uh, you know even though i've done possibly nothing notable in my life <laughs> right so really good to uh, to speak with you man you're just being humble man like pleasure's all mine yes let's do this again you know i really uh, respect you and i love our fr- the friendship that we have so I'm pretty sure we're going to do this again probably like I don't know when but we'll do it definitely and if I haven't annoyed people who've listened so far <laughs> then yes sure uh thank you so much man like it was lovely I had hey, a great time no worries man me too me too man I mean perfect a sankarshan joshi trip